Hello and welcome to our viewers on cruxinvestor.com and also to our listeners on Cruxcast, our new podcast series. We're joined today by Steve Letwin. How are you? I'm extremely good, Matt. How are you? you're not, not bad, not bad. Now you're, you're over here, um, you're busy with Iron Gold and, yes. and also you're telling the Margot Resources story. I am. Well, why don't we start off and uh, get a little background for people new to the Margot story. Why don't you give us a two minute overview? Sure. Well, Margot really originated, uh, it was a shell company on the oil and gas side. And just a little background about myself. Uh, in the 90s, I sold an oil and gas company to a group of Hong Kong billionaires, five in fact. Mm. And that uh, sale went extremely well, and they did extremely well, made a lot of money. That was in about uh, 1992 to 1995. And uh, I stayed in touch with them um, after that. And um, when I left Enbridge, I was with the Enbridge companies for 12 years. I ran their international in the US. Um, they reached out to me. So these same billionaires who had had this positive experience said, look, at, we're looking for some tungsten zinc opportunities. And we wondered if you could give us a hand. I just moved into the mining space with Iron Gold and we found this opportunity in southern BC near Nelson, um, a property that had zinc. It was a former tungsten producer and uh, we looked at it and we decided to use this old oil and gas shell and created a company called Margo. And the idea was uh, these uh, billionaires out of Hong Kong were looking for supply other than China for some of the South Korean computer companies. So the genesis of Margo was really tied to a yeah. tungsten lead zinc play. Um, the tungsten, a couple of years later, crashed. The prices dropped from 600 to 200. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interest in tungsten waned, but the Hong Kong investors had been very supportive, had kept the company alive. Um, and we started to look around the property for opportunities to get into precious metals because it was a very prolific gold area. So Sheep Creek, uh, as an example, had produced somewhere around 800,000 ounces of high-grade mm -hmm. gold. And uh, so I'd been with Iron Gold. My brother Jim is the chairman of Margo. I'm not on the board of directors, but I'm a significant investor, have been since day one. Uh, in total, I think our family now owns around 11% of the company. And uh, the Hong Kong-China connection has always been very important to us. They've always been extremely supportive. They probably in total own about 38% of the company. And as we developed our properties um, down in Southern BC, we came across this, what I would call, extremely attractive opportunity to put uh, the Cassiar property, mm -hmm. which is located in the northeast part of BC, together with Margo. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, this uh, property had been driven by real estate investors out of Hong mm -hmm. Kong, who nice. had put a lot of money into the drilling 
in the middle of the gold bull cycle. So 2007, 2009, they had put a lot of money into drilling, had produced a 43101, um, and were looking obviously forward to probably bringing it into production because it was over a million ounces yeah. of identifiable resource, both low-grade bulk tonnage and high-grade uh, narrow vein uh, orogenic yeah. uh, formation. So when you look at when you looked at this and we looked at it and the fact that post 2012 we went into a bear market for gold, uh, the investors in, in Cassiar said it'd probably make a lot of sense to put these two together. And we had pitched this to them. So very fortunately for them and for us, we now have an extensive land package between the northern part of BC, the southern part of BC, with a lot of gold prospectivity. Um, my brother runs a very um, good organization. He's a very successful entrepreneur. He ran his own company for 40 years. Um, He's got a very strong board. He has a very strong technical advisory group, including Chris Stewart, who was formerly Kirk and mm. Mike and now with, uh, is now with Rob McEwen. So this company is very well managed. Uh, Tyler Rice, Linda Caron, strong technical support, strong investor support out of Asia and Canada, US. And um, when you look at it, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's got fantastic upside. So why did, why did you say that? Uh, when you look at our resource compared to some others um, and the location, it's not in a remote area. It's very uh, accessible by car. It's right off the highway. Whether, whether you're looking in the southern part of BC or northern part of BC, um, the infrastructure surrounds it. It had a mill on the property, on mm -hmm. the Cassier property. Um, it's got tailings, which are worth quite a bit of money. Uh, they're running at about 1.2 grams a ton in terms of recoverable gold. Uh, so we're in this market, and you know it well, where it's very, very difficult to get investor interest in gold. I just happen to believe that when the U.S. dollar starts to weaken, uh, because it's been on a run for like 10 years, mm -hmm. and the gold price starts to move, and we start to see generalist investors coming back into the space like they were between 2009 and 2012. I think this, this particular investment, seven cents a share right now, has the opportunity to move up you know, ex okay. exponentially. Okay, thanks for that summary. Yeah. Um, I wanna go step back a bit though. Sure. Okay, so you run a very successful large oil and gas business. I did. Sold to the Chinese, right? You retired. Effectively, I'm told. Maybe not. You're here. Everybody in the family <laughs> became better off. Let's right. Put Let's put it that way. Okay, that's great. <laughs> my daughter's uh, well put. And my son well put. And, so you need yeah. to work again. Yeah. Um, you then got into IM Gold back in 2011. That sort of time yeah. frame, yeah. right? Um, that's a huge company, billion dollar plus company. Um, Two billion dollar plus company. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very different environment to small cap. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I'm intrigued by, because with your vast experience of, you know, not only on the energy side running big companies, but also now I'm gold running big companies. What's attracted you into the junior mining space? Mm -hmm. And then why specifically this deal at this time? I mean, surely you've done enough. 
I, I've always been attracted to the what I would call the entrepreneurial side. Right. And let me be perfectly clear here. There is no greater priority to me than I am gold, okay? I am the largest independent shareholder of I am gold. Mm -hmm. I hold 1.4 million shares of I am gold. And so I don't want to mislead anybody. Mm -hmm. The most important thing to me are I am gold shareholders. But Margot is and will be a huge priority for me. A, my brother is chairman of the company. B, um, it's been an investment with my partners in Hong Kong um, for about nine years now, since I've been with Iron Gold. Mm. So this relationship I have with these Hong Kong investors is very important to me. Mm. And when they ask me to find these opportunities, and I won't bore you with details, but this is one of probably five things that I've done since I did the oil and gas venture. Nice. And they have hit home runs with every one of them. So we had an internet. So they being the, yeah, the, the Hong Kong investors. Hong Kong group, right, okay. So you know, we had an internet-based company. We've had uh, investments in infrastructure. We've had investments in the hotel business. Hmm. Um, these individuals have done extremely well, and so have I. So um, when I went to the Iron Gold Board of Directors, I got approval to you know, basically go out and, and do other things. They think it's a good thing. It's good for self-development. It'd be no different for you, Matt, if you were had other interests. So um, I'm, I'm very attentive to this. Um, I'm a huge supporter of it. I think it has huge upside. Um, and I put time into it, which, you know, I have approval to do so. Right. But I never let it interfere with the objectives of Iron Gold. That's understood. Um, I have a lot of skin in the game right. with I am gold. Yes, no, that, that, that's well understood and a point yeah. well made. Okay, yeah. and that, that's fair enough. Yeah. What I what I'd like to um, get at with regards to Marco is you've made an intellectual commitment to yes. Marco. You think this is this could be something quite special, right? Yes. And that's based on what feedback from your technical advisors. I mean. Well, I, I'm, I'm a commercial guy, but let, yeah. me, let me just describe this for you. You have a huge land package where you have a 2009 43-101 um, certified resource. The only reason we have to recertify it is because we've changed the name. Yep. So we twin two to four holes we spend probably in total a million dollars and we have on the books probably around 1.2 million ounces a gram a ton near infrastructure you compare that to other resources around the world uh, africa which you said you've had mm. some experience with i have a lot of experience with mm. africa um, this resource is worth in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's one of those things where I don't need to be a geologist. I don't need to be an engineer. I can do the math and say to you, uh, this is territory that's completely free of any kind of burden. Um, we have no First Nations issues. We are next to infrastructure. We're next to power. 
And all we have to do right now with new investors, and we're getting new investors as we speak, mm. um, recertify the resource and we can go to a pre-fees, uh, mm. pre-feasibility study um, quickly. What's, so, qu what's quickly mean? Well, I would say as soon as we have the resource identified here and recertified by in July, we would move to do that right, in okay. the next three months. So it's, it's, uh -huh. a, it's a very attractive opportunity. That's, a, that's an interesting, it's an interesting mo model you're employing there, right. you know, because you're, you're saying, okay, we've got a, a historic resource, right. like just over a million uh, ounces. Um, at a cutoff grade of 0 0.5. 0 0.5, yeah. 0.5, that's right. So, uh, and you've also got this tailings yes. project, which is about 600,000 tons of about 1.2 grams. Correct. So there's, you can do the maths on that too, huh? Yeah. So you can you, you can work out what the potential of, of net cash flow contribution right. could be from that. So there's some exciting things there, but it's, the, it's your view of this district-wide asset which interests me so i know you've got commercial acumen you got it in space but who's the technical advisor saying well actually i think you're right you've got sixty thousand hectares it's a lot of land right. in a area well known for producing gold mixture of bulk low grade and you know chasing high grade veins you know throughout right. the properties as well so who's telling you that what you think is correct technically well we have on our advisory board, Chris Stewart. Right, tell, tell me about, a bit about him. Obviously some big names there. Yeah, Chris uh, has had a huge amount of experience, um, more underground, uh, but certainly open pit experience, which, which we'd have a combination of mm -hmm. here. Uh, Table Mountain would be more the underground, high grade narrow vein, and then the bulk tonnage would be at Taurus. But uh, Chris has superb technical experience, 30 years of experience. Uh, latest being at Kirkland, now he's with Rob McHugh. That's right. Right? And yeah. then uh, Linda Caron, who was with Kinross for over a decade, is probably one of the strongest technical people that I've experienced. And below her um, are a number of geologists and engineering types that bring with them probably cumulatively over 100 years of technical experience. Right. Okay. So, and we've, uh, I like to, what, what I call stress test things. So, and I trust these people right. totally. Tell me about a stress test. It sounds stress good. test means I'll bring others in to look at it. Right. And so um, I've had some of my own, and not to name names, mm. um, but they've come in and looked at it. And right. um, they've invested. Right. So, um, and again, they're quiet investors, so they're not people that want to see their names in, in neon lights. But I would tell you that we've done our technical due diligence and this opportunity is one, and I see hundreds. I, I bet. Hundreds. Yeah. This is a phenomenal opportunity for people to get in. And, the, and you're seeing right now, and you see it as well, Matt, you see it in the, in the environment right now where people want to believe that that US dollar can't continue to mm. keep rising. Mm. And when it turns, I think you're going to see a rush of investors coming into the space. And when that happens and you have a 43101 compliant resource sitting in a friendly jurisdiction mm -hmm. surrounded by infrastructure, you're going to see some significant movement in the share price. You're obviously bringing 
connections, mm-hmm. the Hong Kongi, mm-hmm. Hong Kongese, um, are they following their money? Oh, absolutely. Right. Are you following your money? Absolutely. Okay. Great endorsement. Um, every raise. Every raise. I've been there. Right. Okay. So in, in a significant way. Right. Okay. So if we look at the assets, you've, you've, you've got a, you mentioned Casio, which is a, a recent acquisition. That, that's closed now, isn't it? That's closed. It closes June 20th. Right. Is it all, it's all been approved. All but for the ink yeah, drying on the paper. It's the TSX. So. Right. Got it. Okay. And Sheep Creek. So yeah. what's the focus going to be? Because I don't know how much cash you've got at the moment, but you've prob- probably got to do some kind of raise to be able to see out the rest of the year, have you? Or Well, we have, in the the, on the Cassier side, we have Sijin, which is a large... Right. Well known. So yeah. why don't you tell people about them? Because that's yeah, quite a big Sinjin name. Is, uh, I know Sinjin well. They, are, um, they not only have a fund that they operate out of Hong Kong, Right. But they're one of the best Chinese operators of copper and gold in the world. Um, I've known them for as long as I've been at Iron Gold. Mm. So they've been part and parcel of this Cassiar. So to ask you, where, where are we sequencing? Well, logically, the first thing to do is to recertify the 43101. For sure. So Sinjin has committed to this race. And um, I would tell you that it's a significant participation. Uh, we were just in Hong Kong a week ago, mm-hmm. Linda Caron was there, and they committed. Um, we have another party in Beijing um, that's significantly committed. So we have enough funding right now to move to the 43101 uh, recertification. Right. Once we've completed that, then we would move to the next phase of developing the tailings. The tailings have a 22 to 25 million dollar top line revenue number. Right. We don't have enough information, Matt, to say what is the 25 million. What's the net? Right. Right. Okay. But let's just, let's assume yeah. Yeah. that it's a 20 percent recovery. Okay. So okay. call it five billion Canadian. You take dollars. that, right? That will fully fund yeah. additional exploration on Taurus, on Table Mountain, on Sheep Creek, and. You know, go go blue sky for a minute. You could easily see somewhere around three million ounces in this region right. that we could identify, that we could put through a mill. Which you which you have? No. Well, we have a small mill. But it's not the right it's type not of the mill. Right size. Okay, right. Okay. And it was there to produce cash flow. Right. Is we there could, any value to that? Book value or otherwise? Uh, honestly, transparently, I would say very little. Right. Okay. Right? But it's there, and more importantly, once you've produced, and you know this, Mm. uh, your ability to get permits is much easier. Mm. So we've had the exploitation permits. We have the exploration permits. We need to do some work to get back to exploitation and to be a producer. But once you've done it and everything's in place, it's far easier to get it through than if you were starting Greenfield. For sure, for sure. I understand that. So just, just finish off the tailings right. quickly for me. So is that something that you would do or you would outsource and, and, or JV? I mean, how, does, how do you process that? We have no expertise. Right. So you bring in-house. someone in. We would go outside. Right. So you're, you're going to take a revenue share off the back of whatever right. made. Okay. Here, okay. Here's the challenge and here's, here's the question. Um, we have a third party who's put an offer on the table to right. develop the tailings. 
Um, are we better off going to a third-party contractor to do that ourselves with an mm. outsourced body? Or are we better off to offlay the capital mm. associated with the tailings and let them take most of the profit? Right. Yeah. Discussion. Discuss. Discussion. Yeah, right. Discussion. Okay. And, um, but our first priority has to be the 43101. For sure. And again, you have... 300 juniors out there that don't have anything close to having a certified one million ounce deposit in a friendly jurisdiction that's close to infrastructure. Right. So once we have that, our view, with a little luck on the gold price, which may or may not occur, mm -hmm. that our ability to raise money at a higher share price, which is obviously less dilutive, yeah. um, will give us the ability, A, to explore more there, and B, to move ahead with the tailings, which will be a self-funding model where we don't have to go out and dilute our current shareholders. We sell the recoverable gold. We use that to fund the exploration, the G&A, uh, for both our sites. So if, I, so if I look at examples of other companies that started where you guys are now, mm -hmm. Canadian focus, I, I would look at something like a, a Cisco. Mm -hmm. Cisco, same place as you, early 2000s um, they've gone through a process and it's, but it's, ta it's taken them mm -hmm. a long time to kind of get to where they are mm -hmm. well there's I don't I can't remember what it sold for whoops I'm not quite sure what the amount was but the larger yeah four billion four billion big number right yeah. that's a good good day at the office right <laughs> when that happens <laughs> I mean, um, who cares if it was ten years I mean four yeah, billion yeah yeah okay from, from three cents Right. So you've got an understanding of, like, well, you clearly know them, um, right. the, the strategy that they uh, followed. Right. Is yours literally cookie cutter approach to that? You say, well, you know, we can do, we can replicate that because it's a similar orogenic, uh, or um, it's in a similar district, type district. I know it's, it was Tim, Timmons, isn't it? Um, you know, what are, you, are you just following that model that's already well established and well done, or have you got, have you had to think about how you go about managing and developing this asset with you know, cash, the cash restrictions that it has on it now? I mean, how, how do you go about that? What's the thinking? Well, Sean Rosen, who I know right. extremely well and I'm a huge fan of, mm. um, is a master or after 40 years in the business mm. um, at being able to raise money and then turn that money into right. great returns. And I would tell you his focus, and it's the same focus I had in the oil and gas side, it doesn't matter. I would call it a short cycle focus. What does that mean? It means that you're going to look at paybacks that are in the two to three year range. Right. You're not out there looking for uh, pachyderms. You're not elephant hunting. Got it. We have an identifiable resource close to infrastructure. We're not spending $200 million in Argentina mm. building a road and a power line, okay, like Barrick has to do. Yep. We're looking at a very concentrated, very shallow deposit, 100 to 150 meters. It's a very shallow. Wow, strip ratio, fabulous. Yeah, close to zero. Right. And so, boom, boom, boom. Right. Investors don't want to hear, at least today, about pachyderms, they want to hear Jeez, right. How quickly can you turn this? So you're getting, you're saying we're going to identify a series of baby steps. Yes. 
it may be you know 10 or 15 year but you're saying we're going to do some baby steps to get to where we need to be at those points people can make decisions whether they stay in yes or ex or you know or cash in yeah right you i'm a huge believer in liquidity events yeah and we want to create not one liquidity event we want to create multiple liquidity events right so that matt as the investor will look at this and say I put in at seven cents. I got cents. options, right? Yeah. That's what I want. I put in at seven cents at 21 cents. Do I want out? Yeah. Or do I want to harvest? Yep. A little bit and leave some in. Yeah. Get my capital back and take a, a free ride on that option given where I think this might go. Right. So that's the strategy. Okay. So that you're com clearly a commercial guy because that's very much focused on what's dear to shareholders hearts, which right. is share appreciation. Yeah, right. That's the business. Right, you just happen to be mining. Right. Okay. Now, if I look at some other Canadian players who are sitting on large numbers in terms of resource and reserve, um, and they've spent tens, hundreds of millions of bucks drilling to get those numbers up, but and and they they've got some cash. You know, they're not strapped for cash. They're not they're not they're not fire sale imminent, but. I don't see the next step for them, but then they're sitting on five, seven million ounces. I mean, you're talking about these baby, these baby steps, these catalyst events. I mean, have you have you thought about what yours need to be? Well, absolutely. Right. And it's what I outlined. Look, at, you don't want to have to be sitting waiting for the next bull cycle. Yeah. And these guys that have these large deposits with huge capital commitments in front mm -hmm. of them have to wait for the next bull cycle. And if they don't get the bull cycle, they will, their cash erodes. Mm. And right now, you know the market better than anybody. Um, go try and raise equity right now. Unless you're a cannabis player or a tech player, mm. nobody's interested in giving mining guys any kind of money right now. I mean, we're very fortunate because we have Asian investors. When I go to Hong Kong, let me tell you the difference, okay? Right. I go to Toronto. You can't buy people coming to the conference. You you go to the Scotia Bank conference yeah. and I, you know it's a great conference. Yeah, good people. Three people show up. Right. Three people in the and you're looking through the lights to see who's in the audience. But what but what's happened? It, Do you think have people got exhausted or have they been burnt too many times or is it just as simple as there's nicer, shinier, more profitable projects, cannabis, etc out there right now. But what's what's going on? So 10, the 10 top gold companies, total market cap, 121 billion, okay? The top five cannabis companies after two years, 88 billion. You tell me what happened. All the risk capital in Canada mm. has gone into cannabis. You can't, you can't find capital. If you put a cannabis play out there right now, yeah. Before, and this used to be like this in gold, you, before you walk in the room, <laughs> you're done. They've yeah. written the checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, well, I kind of hope so. I, I've, got a, I've got an investment myself in the space, but you know, as a, as a blended portfolio approach to investing, if you're lucky enough to have some cash to invest, you, you need to kind of look at different options. You can't mm -hmm. put all your eggs right. in the gold basket or necessarily the mining basket. You spread it around a bit. Right. And I, I get the cannabis story and formerly yeah. blockchain and Bitcoin, et cetera, and, and they've all come off a bit. Right. There's some sanity has prevailed. Do you think that mining is still a relevant investment class? Let's start with Canada, because you know, you know Canada, right? right? So are people still thinking about it or do you think coming back into it? 
Not yet. Not yet. Still, still away. Which means it's a good opportunity. I don't have yeah. my phone here. It's over there. Right. But I, I'll, I'll hold my phone up and say, there's gold in this phone. There's tungsten yep. in this phone. Yep. There's, all, there's duodenum in this phone. There's, you name it, there's in this phone. Yeah. What people are not connecting the dots to is that mining is here forever. Yeah. And the valuations in mining are so attractive right now. You have PNAMs, price to yeah. net asset value, yeah. 0. 0.3, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.5. It's a tough day. And yeah. you've got a cannabis company trading at 800 yeah. times revenue. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think, I think, Yeah. to your point, do I want a balance here? Because I think I want to hedge. Yeah. A, I want to hedge against the US dollar. B, I want to hedge against a cannabis investment, a crypto investment. Mm. And you can do it pretty easily. Yeah, I, th I think that's, that's right. That's the logic to me. And I, and I would agree with that. And we, we advocate to our subscribers that right. they, they, they need a blended approach to this because, right. um, the, you know, the stories aren't always true and things don't right. always turn out the way that people say they're going to. So right. you need to, but a bit of hedging is, is, is smart. But, okay. We'll bring it back to sure. Margot if we can. So Margot is a small company. You've you see it, you've seen a lot of deals, but you were approached by the Hong, the Hong Kong guys and they said, right, if you got it, and this is the one you picked, yes, right, and this is the one I get. I'm goals your number one priority as it should be. It's a big big company and you you right. hold a lot of stock, but this project, as far as you're concerned, is one of the better junior projects that you've seen of its kind in Canada. Yes. That's why you've gone for it. Absolutely. And I'm not going to sit here and throw a bunch of hubris. Okay? Sure. We've had five extremely successful investors or investments with yeah. these investors. Mm. And um, they're very private people. Mm. And they don't come back unless you're successful. And there's an old military saying, always reinforce success. And what I'm a huge believer in, and I'm a huge believer in Margot and the people and the technical support, mm. my brother, uh, who's a fantastic leader, is reinforce success. We will have success here. And this is not like you're at the craps table rolling the dice. We have a certified million ounce deposit that just needs to be reinforced. That's it. And yeah. that's why I think when you compare it to hundreds of investments out there that mm. require, I would say, challenging permitting that are far from a 43101 um, you know, certificate, mm. this stands out. This stands out. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Because if I, we've analyzed this, right? Yeah. We've looked at a lot of the moving parts. You, Chris Stewart. Right. Okay, Shenzhen. Yes. The fact that you've got a uh, historic resource, well, it's not even that historic, it's 2009, right? Yeah. Um, quick, cheap to get that you know, back, back up. You've got the tailings. Correct. You've got a lot of infrastructure sitting there. You've got water, power, road. You, you've got all the inner safe jurisdictions. So there's a lot to like about it. Five million bucks though, market cap. Is that just a factor of sh at the spot price for gold? Or is it just, you've only just started telling the story? I mean, what, what, what do you think? What was the market cap of Gold Corp in 2011? I have no idea. 62 yeah, billion. 62 billion, What right. was the market cap when it sold? Don't know. 15. 15. Okay, look. But, look, at it, mm. this, it, this 
this ravaging yeah. which has gone on um, is consistent across the board. It doesn't matter what company you look at. It's been completely destroyed. Yeah. And it's been destroyed and we haven't helped as an industry because there's been a lot That's of great. a lot of missteps. Right. Okay? We've seen value destruction with big projects that have gone south. What do you mean by value destruction? In terms of shareholder value or Yes. Fair shareholder value because a mine hasn't been what they thought it was gonna be. Right. And big bets were made when the bull market was at its peak. You had a lot of money mm. going after what I would call stupid things. And you had that happen in the oil business. You're having it happen in the cannabis business, right? Sure. Now. It's been a reset in Canada, for yeah. sure. Yeah. We've and we all remember dot com. So all I'm saying yeah. to you, Matt, is look, um, we are now being punished for the sins yeah. that we committed, and we committed sins. Yeah. And that usually means there are opportunities, and you learn from those mistakes. What did I learn from my 28 years in oil and gas and 10 years in mining? Um, focus on short cycle economics. Stay away from long cycle investments that take 10 years to pay back, huge capital commitments, and as a result of being out there over time, high risk. Minimize your risk. Short and short time, short payback, small capital, and if you do happen to have that bull cycle start, mm. you're going to get your money back very, very quickly. That's what Margo is. That's I think that's a fantastic way to end this because I, you know, it's not just the money and the connections you're bringing. It's that kind of thinking. I, I, right. I appreciate that so Thank much. You. Thanks for telling us the story. Yeah, no, uh, next time you're through town, come and update us. I love London. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.